welcome to the Golden Rock Podcast. I'm Ben, as always, I'm joined by fellow Pokemon enthusiast and part-time dancer Connie to bring you some of the latest and greatest Pokemon news and a few laughs along the way. This week, we're answering not one, not two, but three listener-submitted questions. We also have an update on the recent Van Gogh controversy. And finally, anyone that didn't listen to last week's are going to be like, what just happened to Ben there? It's fine. Uh, we're And then finally, we're giving our thoughts on the first two episodes of Paldean Windsor. And as always, you can jump to a topic using the timestamps in the description below. And this week, I just want to start. I watched a really good video on YouTube. Oh, over the, go on then. Yeah. Uh, it, well, you'd know about it. You you did it, didn't you? I mean, if you're just going to like big me up, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. All I will say, if you you know, if you're a regular listener and you haven't already checked out Connor's YouTube channel, please do so. It's like got some fantastic content, really short form essay style videos. Is that the right way to? Yeah, I think so. That's where, that's, that's the direction we've taken the channel in over the last couple of years. And- and it works, and it's absolutely fantastic, and it was good to listen to, obviously, your your thoughts on the Loyal 3. And what I love about your content is it feels like it's going off on a tangent, but it's not. It's like, no, we're, we're getting to where the point is, but I need to present the evidence. Yeah. So and I, abs- I, 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 I always I refer to it as tangential learning, and I think I brought this up to you before. Um, it was something I first picked up from Assassin's Creed, which was the idea that, you know, you can have this experience and that experience can, unbeknownst to you, teach you things and can give you a sort of a stepping stone from which to learn further stuff from. So my favorite uh, example of this is there was a guy who, or there was a school trip that went out to, I think it was Italy, um, and they got completely lost And one of the kids was like, I know exactly where we are. I know exactly where to go because I've played Assassin's Creed. (laughs) Or it might have been been France because they they perfectly replicated uh, France. Oh, Unity? In Unity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That was the kind of thing where he was like, look, I know exactly where I am. I know exactly where I'm going. Similar to myself, I played Assassin's Creed 3, not 3, 4, Black Flag, and Mm -hmm. learned about uh, Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, who were two female pirates. And that was like, okay, I'm interested in these two characters now. I'm going to go do my own research and then found out all this other information about them. And I did a whole script in university on them. And that was a large part of my degree. So I love the idea of video games being this bounce board, wrong wrong word, but this springboard. There you go. There's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. This springboard into other topics into educational uh realms that we just don't notice when we're first playing through them so yeah that video is all about kami and shinto mythology and how xenophobia works and how japanese media uh uses metaphysical representations of complex um emotions and things and how you punch them in the face and that's how you deal with it (laughs) good fun good research hole enjoyed making that video fantastic and plans to do more so there's another one recorded um we're actually having to change up the format uh which wasn't something we've been playing with for a little while between me and lewis he has finally started working a a job that is taking up more of his time now 
So where it used to be, I'd write the scripts, record my audio, edit my audio, and then send it to him. He'd do everything else, all the animation, mm-hmm. all the editing, everything was all done on his end. And he had basically carte blanche to do whatever he wanted there. Um, that's no longer feasible. So I have had to go out and invest in a teleprompter <laughs> so that I can oh, record, really? so I can record yeah. the videos live. So it's now going to be more me presenting the video. Love that. Um, and I think at some point I'd love to stretch into having a little bit more fun with that. Maybe doing, I don't know if I want to go as far as maybe costumes or settings, but I'd love to do something. I'd love to change it up. And uh, I've got a Mr. Uniform you can borrow. If, if you could, no, that'd be great. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And Cynthia as well. Rawr. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that says about me having those two outfits. Anyway, um, that that was a tangent. Just like uh, King King Nido uh, says on YouTube, just point it out there. But the tangents may just be the best part of podcasting. If there's two things we can deliver on, it's tangents, and you know a little bit of back and forth between you know yourself and yourself and me. Let's jump into one of the first questions that we've had uh, again, courtesy of uh, King Nida. And uh, I, I say that different every time. I, I, I know, I know. I'm just uh, let's just move on. Um, great discussion, guys. Cannot wait for next week. A question I have: Since now there are so many legendaries and mythicals, is there any Pokemon that you don't think deserves that status, or uh, you don't give that status to in your own? Headcanon. If you are currently searching, Connor, which I think you frantically are, I'll go through a couple of mine that I have got that I just don't understand why they are legendary. So mm-hmm. Heatran Heat is the first one that comes to my head, mainly because I think the way that was introduced was just so... It's there. There's no story. There's nothing behind it. It's, it's literally just there. And it's really disappointing that we've got a fine steel Pokemon with, I think, a rather boring design and a boring introduction i just don't it just when i think of a legendary doesn't appeal um another one that i just think got given this legendary status and i i'm hoping you might have an answer as to why because i I don't know if there is an answer but kupfu and um yeah i don't it's it's not really legendary in in my opinion I think I, I think it was literally just it. I think it was the only Pokemon that was new that was introduced in the Isle of Army. Yes, we had the Slowpoke evolutions, but they were based on their forms of Pokemon that have come before. This was a brand new Pokemon, and it felt like okay, we just need to slap the legendary like sticker onto these Pokemon. If you want to have an argument of uh, uh, Ishifu could be a legendary, I wouldn't make Kubfu one personally and that's the same reasoning i've got for a couple that were introduced in generation seven type null cosmog and cosmoam i get why they're legendaries but i think their final evolutions should be the ones that are classified as legendaries but cosmog apparently has one of the worst base stat totals in in pokemon history with a subpar moveset like for what for me when i think of legendaries they should be like they are the kings and queens of their games. They are the most powerful, the most sought after. And it just dilutes that tag a little bit by just going, okay, it eventually becomes legendary. So we're going to tag these ones as, as legendaries as well. And the for that reason, is, I've that, also... That, that one I kind of understand a little bit more because they do mm-hmm. evolve into the kings and queens of that game, if you want to call it that way. You know, they do become Lunala and Solgaleo. So... Th- 
Nebby being a legendary Pokemon, although initially you're like, how? What? No. I think it makes a lot more sense. I mean, I think there's an even bigger argument as to whether they're legendary Pokemon or Ultra Beasts. I think that is still up for debate as much as people go, well, no, in the game code, it doesn't say Ultra Beast. I don't really care about the game code. I'm sorry. I know that's that's realistically the definitive answer, but if we're talking lore-wise, I think they're closer to Ultra Beast than they are to straight legendary Pokemon. Uh, Type Null and Silvalli was one I was going to bring up. I don't think it really deserves the legendary status. I know why it is, because it's basically meant to be like the anti-Arceus. It was developed mm-hmm. specifically to take out God or rival God effectively. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm pretty sure it's said within the game, like three of them were made. That's correct. Yes. There's, there's more, there's definitely more than one. Yeah. I think um, there's like three of them that were made. Uh, so that already, you know, th- we have seen in the past, there are multiple legendary Pokemon. There's not just one around. But it dampens that a little bit. Plus, I don't think man-made Pokemon should be given the legendary status. Oh, well, yeah, uh, I, I've just said that and then realized that Mewtwo exists. Yeah. It, it, so, it, to be fair, Mewtwo is one of those where... I know it's a legendary, but like it's that line between legendary and mythicals and also Ultra Beast. Like, yes, Ultra Beast for me should be their own category. If it was just one or two, roll them into the legendary. That's fine. But there are, what, eight of them? Maybe more? I, I don't know how many there is actually off the top of my head. But that's a subcategory of, of its own. And I think with a lot of these legendaries, we're now getting to the point where in the past it was like, you know, oh, you get four or five legendaries per generation, but it's now gotten to the point where there's too many of them. It's getting a little bit... Uh, there's too many of them, which means that it dilutes the meaning of legendary because, oh, it's, it's a legendary Pokemon, and in lore, it's supposed to be, okay, this is this fantastic, powerful Pokemon that, you know, set the scene in terms of what this region, you know, is about. Um, they need to be. But- they need to have the capability of shaping the world around them. So, for instance, yes. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a huge D&D player, and I'm a fan of the lore and things like that, and you have dragons. So, uh, ancient dragons are dragons that have been around forever and ever and ever, and they're one of the most powerful things in the game. They don't just exist. They change the world around them. Like, if, mm. if, if, if a ice dragon shows up where it shouldn't, a white dragon shows up where it shouldn't, suddenly blizzards are rolling across the land everything changes around them and that's how legendary pokemon should feel so that's i think mewtwo kind of stretches that line a little bit because it really did shape kanto mm. you know it's yeah. it's connection with team rocket it's connection with the the gym leaders blaine uh cinnabar island uh it's connection back to mew and all that kind of stuff really does we're never going to see another Mewtwo. I think canonically there is one Mewtwo, regardless how you look at the games. I think canonically, as far as the lore is concerned, there's one Mewtwo. Um, so I think that makes sense. I think Silvalli is closer to Porygon, though. We still have the yeah. capability of doing it. We could make it again. We just aren't. So I don't, I don't see that one reaching the legendary status. In the same manner, I don't think uh, Deoxys should count. Okay. So it's difficult because is Deoxys 
Deoxys could be just a could be just an alien Pokemon. I know there's a bit within its Pokedex that says it was actually irradiated by a laser. It was a space virus that got irradiated by a laser and that made it Deoxys. So I guess it could wow. be a one of a kind. Uh, I might have talked myself out of that one. Okay, maybe maybe it's just Silvalli in my head. Hmm. Trying to think of other mythical Pokemon that don't really count for me. Okay, mythical. So uh, Fiona is one that came to my mind. So Fiona is the one that you breed Manaphy. It's the that's its whole gimmick is it's the only Pokemon, the only mythical Pokemon or mythical or legendary, I think, that you can breed and he gives a different Pokemon than the parent Pokemon, which is a cool gimmick. But why does that give either of those the legendary status? Because, again, it's one of those Pokemon that I feel like was introduced in a really subpar way. And, like, when I think of legendary Pokemon, they are, like, say, the Pokemon that shaped that game. Like, you think to, like, Kyogre and Groudon and the, the big role. Like, they play... They, they were responsible for the motivations of two organizations. And then you've got Rayquaza coming in and the... Um, the, the the side story, the the, the um, post-game content in Auras as well. You've got these Pokemon that basically shape the region and then you've got random Pokemon that, yeah, it's a legendary, we're just throwing it in there. And it feels like there needs to be almost mythical, legendary, Ultra Beast to the side of that. And then there needs to be a T between legendary and pseudo-legendary, which are you know, actually, some of these legendary, I'd probably just push into pseudo-legendary where it's, yeah, they've got the stats of a legendary, but they're not legendary, so to speak, because they don't shape the world around them. Yeah, I think some of the later mythicals really, they stopped having any story attached to them, and I don't even think the films really filled that story out further. So Pokemon like Marshadow, Zarude, do nothing for me. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure Marshadow is just like, I don't like Ho-Oh! I don't like anyone. I'm going to take <laughs> the rainbow just... wing and corrupt it. Mm. And Zeru just like ad ad adopted Tarzan. So I don't, I don't get what, why they're mythical other than they were the gift Pokemon of that game. Mm. Yeah. So those, those two definitely. Yeah. Mythical's lost something. Mythical, I think is almost something that should be retired as a tag for new Pokemon. Mythical for me are almost the, the, era of and maybe this is nostalgia but the era of like one two three four and five it's those very early designs where there was a story behind them you might not always be able to access that story unfortunately but it's those things that as a child you remember being told about Mew and you were like wait what's what's this Mew like and you were you were able to fill in the blanks but then it made the myth like the story the mythical come to life and the later generations have kind of just lost that and gone, yeah, it's 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 in a movie that most people won't watch, and then we'll give it out as a free distribution code so there's not even a story in-game for it. And for that reason, I kind of feel like some of these mythicals, and legendaries to some degree, where, yeah, you know, if you don't want to do events around them and you just want to give them as distribution codes, that's fine. Just don't make them legendary because it's all, all mythical because it's starting to dilute that, that tag, unfortunately. Well, we have not yet had a Gen 9 mythical. No. So whether it turns out to be that uh, Peach Pokemon that people are half aware of, that might be this generation's mythical? Potentially. I, 
I was about to ask the question, like, do you think they're going to just move away from that? But thinking about the Pokemon that got introduced in the post-game, well, the DLC in Sword and Shield with legendary Pokemon. Yeah. Was the, was the, I, Zerud was the mythical for Gen 8, wasn't it? Zerud, yes. Yes, it was. Yes. Right. Okay. But, right. So maybe we will just get a Gen 9 mythical that just And that's the thing. Zerud has kind of nothing to do with, um, I was going to say Galar. No, it is Galar. There's Galar, Galar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but that's the problem. Like, it's just like, it's just a Pokemon that's thrown in there that you're like, okay, that's nice. So? Like, what, what's it got to do with the... Re like, you think back to, like, the original Mythicals and, like, Mew, while it isn't in the, in the game, it is in the game code, but it's not in the game... Like it's, it plays it's intrinsic to the story of the it, game. Exactly. And you look at Generation 2 where, you know, you've got Celebi, and that's probably less of a link, but you know, you can you could do that story to um to go back in time. Or was that the remakes that did that? That was the remake. Thing? Well, there was a an initial Celebi event, I think, in Crystal. I want to say off the top of my head, I might be wrong, it might have been Golden Silver as well. There was an original Celebi event, but you could only do it in Japan. And then there was the extended event in Heart Gold Soul Silver where you got to go back in time and meet Giovanni and be like, oh yeah, Silver is his son. And then he throws himself off a waterfall. I didn't know that bit. Who throws uh, himself off the waterfall? Giovanni Silver throws himself Giovanni? off a waterfall. Interesting. Any reason in particular? Uh, because he got defeated by Red so hard that he just like, nah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. See you later. Right. Okay. Um, then we've got Jirachi that was... Jirachi was introduced in a weird way, wasn't he? Wasn't he Pokemon Box? Yes, I think you could get Jirachi through Pokemon Box. Ranger was Manaphy, wasn't it? Yes. So th that's it. Like, I think that's my issue. Is and I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this because in the past I've harped on about like making it difficult to get certain Pokemon because you don't get them in the mainline games. Well, I think I'd rather have a Pokemon that's quite difficult to get because you need to go out of your way to get it than he's a code. Yeah. Like, that that's what I think maybe should separate the mythicals. The mythicals should be Pokemon that it is a badge of honor to get these. I say badge of honor, basically spend more money. Um, but there are ways to get that. And what you could do is you could roll them out in the later games anyway of, oh, it's available in Gen 9 now but you need to do it this way, this convoluted way, whether or not it's Pokemon Go or whatever they've got available at the time. But in Gen 10 or Gen 11, it's like, oh no, here's a code. Just just have it. Because then you satisfy both both parties. See, I think it's Gen 5 onwards that these things started getting worse. Because as I say, you used to have... <coughs> Sorry, you had the Celebi event. You had... Uh, the Deoxys event, you had, there was a Mew event in Gen 3 where you got to go to Faraway Island. These, uh, I think even Latios and Latias, you had to have the Eon ticket for and do a little event there. So you had, there was story connected to these Pokemon. It wasn't just, here, have a Pokemon. It was like, here, have a bit of gameplay that you do mm. with a Pokemon at the end of it. Bring that back, please. Ag please. Agreed, yeah. Like, honestly, that, that should be the thing, shouldn't it? mainland game bit of free side content to pad it out somewhere between that and the dlc release gets you to come back you enjoy it oh you enjoyed this piece of free dlc oh you, you can pay for the next piece of dlc like it feels weird that they're not doing that rather than what we get which is literally the code i mean i'm looking at the mythical list now and 
basically, after Arceus, I don't know if there was a Victini event. Oh, no, it was the Liberty Pass, wasn't it, for mm -hmm. that? But then after that, it just kind of There was kind off. of a Genesect event where you went and spoke to a member of Team Plasma. Right. Who was like, hey, uh, this is this is the Pokemon we made. That was, I, I'm pretty sure that's now. it, though. Yeah, there is, there is something. There's, it doesn't... Like, it, it says a lot when you're on... Uh, I'm on Bulbapedia, and Mew has a big wall of text. Celebi has a big wall of text. And then as you get down, that wall of text gets slightly less and less as it goes from, this is the Pokemon, this is the history, this is how you got it, and it's now just like... Given away, Pokemon? given away, given away, given away. away. Yeah, it, it's it's really disappointing to the point where like you get right to the bottom. Zerora has two paragraphs. Melton and Malmetal get a lot more because obviously they do. And then Zeru gets gets, I'd argue, one paragraph. It's a paragraph and a sentence. It, it's basically one paragraph. Like that's disappointing for for mythical Pokemon. Like, give some mystery around them. Give some of that Pokemon magic. Like flesh out those those Pokemon. We don't get that, unfortunately. Is, is there any other Pokemon that stand out to you before we move on? Mm, no, nothing I can immediately say like, no, that shouldn't count. Okay. Well, let's move on to another submitted question, courtesy of Tony, who says, and I'm just going to read this out full, it's spooky season, and Ben responded when I mentioned some interactive horror games like Until Dawn, The Quarry, and House of ashes uh so their question is if you could design an interactive horror game what pokemon would center the theme would you center the theme around and what would be the mystery plot twist now i think i'll just start by touching on what i've said in the past like there is a wealth of horror elements in pokemon that no one really talks about or they're kind of like cryptic in terms of like pokedex entries or things that you see in the anime that you're just kind of asked to like, oh, here's some information about the psychic or ghost or dark type Pokemon. Uh, but now just forget about that because of the the implications of what that has. And you could quite easily design a horror game based around those typing of Pokemon. And I've mentioned before, like games like Slenderman, like you could have them be so simple in terms of, okay, you you know, you're in a forest, go and catch your Pokemon quick because you've got a Gengar after you. Like there is some um, like really short form horror games that you could do i think what i would like to see though is some more of those you know if you're going to flesh it out look at those pokedex entries like is he is he drift blim or drift bloom that that carries off children you've got drowsy that you know takes them away and stuff like that and maybe that's the way you do it maybe the main character is a child trying to get from point a to point b and you've got all these pokemon that are basically trying to abduct you, for, for lack of a better word. And I think that that could lend itself to, you can dispense, dis, you know, you, you can, what was the word? Dis, dis, uh, might even tell, but I've got, Suspend your disbelief. That, that's it, that's it. So you can tell I've had a busy day. Suspend your disbelief, and because it's through the lens of a child, they wouldn't do the usual things you'd think of, because, you know, adults would in a Pokemon world would probably know how to resolve these things, whereas a child wouldn't. And I think it would be really interesting to, to do something like that yeah i think they could quite easily make a horror game where a malamar had mm. captured you and was basically just torturing you through games and tests and just basically playing saw with you 
because if you've seen the X and Y series, there's a there's an evil I've seen Malamar. The clip. Yeah, there's an evil Malamar <laughs> in that who's just vindictive. And I'd love to see him as just the villain of a game. Yeah. Funnily enough, I uh, in, in response to this question, I looked up like what are the most evil Pokemon? And the article I stumbled on had that as number one. I was like, Malamar. And I was like, okay, why? And it was that it, it was the clip. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, don't mess with it. Like, this is a Pokemon that actually but from but what I got from the clip was like this is a Pokemon that actually wants to hurt humans, which is uh, it was quite it was fully rare. on like I'm gonna take over the world and I'm going to make every human my puppet and have them fight each other. Oh, it was horrendous. Not not okay. That. I love that. And again, it'd be a way to like flesh out those Pokemon that like we we talk about like drowsy and hypno and abducting children, but like they've never really had their moment to shine in games so this would allow you to give some of those you know pokemon that haven't had their chance to shine a way to to show them off in a way that kind of proves the pokedex entries correct in that yeah they're all adorable and cute pocket monsters but they're not and there's some implications of what these pokemon what these pokemon existing would have on the real world which is probably why we're never going to get anything like this. No. Because no, it's no. too it's too much for Pokemon. But obviously, we can still answer the question and we can dream. I don't dream I, Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think we're ever going to see this from Game Freak. I think it's too uh too opposed to the style of Pokemon that they're trying to create. My words are hard today. I don't know what's happening. They ve- they very much are. <laughs> I think if we're ever going to see anything like this, it's going to be fan-made yeah. games that will probably get shut down quite quickly. I remember seeing watch it was um it was something on YouTube where someone did a a horror like mini horror movie based in Pokemon. I'm trying to remember what happened in it. I can't quite remember, but I just I think they went into they, they ended up in basically an abandoned factory and we were getting followed around by i think a gengar or something and it was like moving between the shadows i'll have to see if i can dig out this was years ago but it was absolutely fantastic and was one of the first times that like pokemon like how often have you ever been scared playing pokemon uh, probably never that was one of the first times I was like oh this is actually you know when your brain kicks into like fight or flight and you're like oh okay no i don't know no i don't like this i don't want to watch the rest of this but i powered through because you know i'm i'm not scared of the dark or anything. <laughs> um but i must admit it 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 made me think about oh okay don't, i think don't like the implications here the other way you could do it as well is if you use like the berserk gene that you get in generation two and uh is developed into r from detective pikachu you could have a haunted house almost where you are being bombarded by pokemon who are just off their head and because all the pokemon are infected effectively yeah. you're going like the infected zombie route of pokemon you don't really have a way of defending yourself because you've got no pokemon because they're all infected so you just gotta run yeah i like that idea actually because then it then it gets away from like because typically in horror games you have some uh, horror games typically go down one or two routes it's either you've got some weapons and you can defend yourself or a lot of modern horror games are this first person, you can't defend yourself, and you it's just like scary beat after scary beat after scary beat. And if you if Pokemon went down one of the two, it'd probably be that one of 
you can't fight back because if we could give you the tools to fight back, like it doesn't, it doesn't, look, it's not a good look. But if you mm. could have the Pokemon are after you, run away, and that's all you can really do. Like, and if they catch you, literally the screen just goes black and, you know, you fainted or something like that. There's a way that they could potentially do it. But I, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever, we'll ever get this from the main company. Yeah. And, and, and the game is very short. It's the idea of like, get three keys to unlock the basement, which goes yeah. into underground tunnels and escape that way. I think that's how you play it. So it's a case of, yeah, as you say, there's no way to fight back because as soon as you can fight back, it's not really a horror game anymore. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I don't, I don't know if you've ever played them, but that's kind of where Resident Evil went wrong for me. Is it went, it went from horror, scary. I've not got enough ammo, but I need to, you know, to get ahead to. Oh, look at me of all my guns and punching rocks, yeah. and it's like okay. But then it went back into the horror element. Yeah, um, as soon as uh, you could move and shoot at the same time, Resident Evil died. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. And while in the the newer games you can still do that, it's a lot it it's not broken anymore. It's a yeah, you can run and shoot, but your accuracy is going to be all over the place and you've got things coming at the at the back of you. It, I love horror. I I have a love-hate relationship with horror games. I don't know if you're you're the same where I have to really big myself up and every now and again I'm like I really want to play a horror game and then after a bit I'm like no, I'm kind of kind of done i did See, the same I, just, I can't do him i can't can not? do him no i i because i become just too invested i i feel everything a lot <laughs> so yeah. that okay. fear becomes really really heavy for me so i just can't play him i can understand that. i think the only horror game that i've not played that i started was resident evil 7 on vr so i put on the vr headset got into the the house and I just thought I just took it off. I was like, no, I like no, I can't. I'm not putting myself through this. I eventually completed it. I do enjoy a good, a good horror game, and I would enjoy a Pokemon horror game. That well. being said, though, I did play Slenderman back in the day. My mate sat oh. me down while I was at uni. He was like, I'm gonna turn all the lights off. Here's my laptop. Play this game, and I didn't get it. <laughs> I just, you just didn't enjoy it. I just didn't get it. I was like, oh, okay. okay, I'm dead. I guess. <laughs> what? Are you, are you not scared? I'm like, no. My screen went fuzzy, and then I died. I get that. I don't. I, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, it, but it's like horror movies. My brother and his fiance love horror movies. They will go to the cinema to watch horror movies. And I can't. Like, horror games, I can do because I feel like I have some semblance of control over the, the character. Like, while I need to go down that hallway and I need to beat that monster. It's still my decision because I'm choosing to do it. Horror, horror films, though, I'm just like, no, I wouldn't do that. No, no, no. What, what's this? What, what's, what's this person doing? No, no, no. And it, and because of that, I can't enjoy it. It frustrates me to no end watching horror films. Un, un, unfortunately, see the last um, horror film I went to go see in the cinema, I think got me at a jump scare, and I did a little ah out yeah. loud. <laughs> And everyone in the cinema has turned around and looked at me. I'm like, it's the point of the film. Yeah. It's yes. literally what it's designed to do. Don't mock me for this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think if you go to a horror film, you're not like jumping or being scared. Like there's something wrong with you. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> there's something wrong with you. Let's move on to the final question that we've had submitted that comes uh, courtesy of a gym leader, JC. Again, on YouTube. 
So they've asked, what would be your ideal starter? The type, the animal, the concept, etc. And this got me down the rabbit hole of, actually, a lot of the starters are some kind of animal. Like, I'm, I'm using the very loose definition of animal here, because I know you've got, like, um, you know, frogs and stuff like that that aren't technically animals, I don't think. Um, but they've all got that kind of loose concept of, oh, it's a real-world thing that is slightly adapted. And I think I want to move away from that. Like, every, most of the games start in either um, a lab or you've got the professor that's come out of the lab. So you've got that connection there. And I would love to actually see starters that are similar to, like we mentioned earlier, Paragon. Like, the, these are my, you know, man-made created Pokemon, or they are creatures that have learned to adapt with the real world and therefore are fused with technology or something else like that. And that would allow you to do what I, I think could, they could have done earlier on in the series with like starters, potentially like Porygon or Rotom, like those kind of, they're man-made or they interact with man-made items. So what you could do is just take three everyday objects and they, they've got a theme around Pokemon. And you could then have a similar typing for them, which I'd love to see if, okay, they're all potentially electric or steel type, but then you've got fire, water, grass. So it's a way to just take that starter mechanic and just tweak it slightly so it's not the same old starter mechanic that we have for most of the games. Yeah. All right. I see that. Um, personally, I just love the idea of like having a mythical creature. So something that starts off as a normal animal and then develops into a big mythical creature. So say you get a, a a pony Pokemon. So a water pony, and you're like, what? why is a pony a water type? Because it then evolves into, um, oh, what's it called? What's the- I know what you- I know what you- The, the, the seaweed Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, not the seaweed Pokemon. Uh, I, I know what you mean, that seaweed horse. I want to say style. Kelpie? Kelpie? No, 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 that's wrong. Yes, no, yes, yes, a Kelpie. <laughs> which is like half horse, half mermaid, yes. and like drowns people and stuff. So I'd love to see it. It's just a pony that evolves into a Kelpie. Or you could have a uh, like a dog that evolved into either a werewolf or like Cerberus. So it just gets more oh. heads as it evolves. Yes. Um, or you got a bird that evolves into like a phoenix or something. Um, you've got a bull Pokemon that turns into a Minotaur. I'd oh, yes. That kind of thing that. I think would be very, very cool. Uh, we kind of, I think they missed it a little bit when they did uh, Rapidash's Galarian form. We were really looking for the Pegasus Pokemon. Really, really looking for the I Pegasus Pokemon. I never even thought about that. Yes. You know. Oh, they missed a trick there, didn't they? They really did. Like I, I, I'd argue Rapidash should be the final evolution, but if you're going to do a variant... And they've done this before where the original Pokemon only is a two-tier evolution and the variant has three tiers. Yeah, that would have worked for that Pokemon because, like, when you think of Rapidash, you don't think, you know, you don't think of a mythical equivalent. It's it's literally like a unicorn. Like, the unicorn is there. You've already got that. You don't need to adapt it further. But the Galarian version, because it's a fairy type and, you know, fairy I associate with, like, magic and, you know, the fae and stuff like that, could have then had that third tier evolution of and the and because of that Pokemon's design, the wings would just just make them colourful. 
that's all you need to do and it'd be uh, like the, the the hair flows into the wings or something else like that that would uh, you're onto something here Connor. i like it yeah one last one you got a cat that turns into a sphinx there you go nailed it there we go just i love how that one i thought would be the longest conversation and we've I say we, you've you've solved it. Uh, if you've got a comment or question, you can reach us by leaving a comment on our podcast on YouTube, by emailing goldenrodpod at gmail.com, by leaving it on our Discord channel, or by using the hashtag goldenrodpod on Twitter. Let's jump into the first piece of news this week. Following on from, is it last week we spoke about the Van Gogh uh, yep. museum issue? Uh, so just to give you a quick update, uh, the museum has literally... Stop giving out the limited edition Pokemon card for safety and security reasons. And if you've seen the video that's doing the rounds on the internet, as I saw today, you can understand why. It is, as somebody who is a people person but hates crowded areas, like, yeah, this gave me a little bit of anxiety. It is literally loads of people trying to get to a to a table in the middle of, I imagine, the shop and all just grabbing whatever they whatever they can. Unfortunately. See, ironically, I'm not a people person. I hate people, and this is why. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. Like it's it's horrible because you either one of the people that's crowding forward to try and get the stuff, or you're at the front Getting fighting crushed. other people. It, like there's no there's no good element of of this, and like you're looking at the at this video, and there's some people that are trying to grab bits of everything which makes me think okay they are legitimately just maybe interested in the collection but then you get the people that are just okay they're all the same thing i'm just grabbing all of them which makes me think potentially scalpers um which goes back to the part of the issue with this and part of the reason why it's fallen apart and you know a small group of people have ruined it for the majority is that it does seem like it's mainly people that are i'm gonna get this for a price and i'm gonna sell it at an even higher price and we mentioned before the podcast there's there's a there's a packaged version that i've seen uh that's going for seven grand and i've seen multiple ones on ebay that are currently at 150 pounds but they're all in various stages of bids like they've got several days left on them so no doubt they're gonna go even higher i even saw one that had already been graded mint um so it is a it is a major issue unfortunately um a statement has been released um that says it's down to the actions of a small group of individuals and it's led us to take the difficult decision to remove the pikachu uh card from the museum however um you can still buy it online no, if you're you in can. the uk that can you not is it completely it's gone, it's then? gone yeah gone there you go so congratulations scalpers for ruining this i really want the card but i flat out refuse to pay for it unfortunately i mean i'm gonna say it again the only thing we can do to combat this is not buy it don't buy it it's it's not worth that money you know it's not worth that money don't don't reward this bad behavior the power yeah, which, is in your hands unfortunately yeah uh, and unfortunate is the key word there because there are already people bidding on these things yeah. So there is, there are people that go, I, I don't care, I, I want it. Fair enough. It, sure, if you want it, it's your money. Spend it however you want. But I, I won't be one of these people. Unfortunately, I, I like. Yeah, it's it's a shame, really. But oh well. Have you got anything else you want to add to this Van Gogh update? Again, it's just 
it doesn't make our community look great, does it? No, it doesn't, unfortunately. And we kind of joked at the start of this that we blame Jake Paul. Kind of <laughs> still do, genuinely. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think, you know, YouTubers having an issue with Jake Paul is anything new. Um, but I think that really started the idea of how much money these these cards and things could be worth. So just to, just to like, let people that might not know what happened. So Jake Paul basically managed to get some of the older Pokemon cards that were still packaged and opened them live on his channel, which then sent people into down the spiral of, oh, these cards are worth a lot of money. Therefore, I'm going to start buying them, hoping for those rare cards that I can sell on. And what that means is for some people, it's not a hobby. It's not a collection. It is literally, oh, I'm in this for the money to buy, to then sell. It's a higher cost. But what that ultimately leads to is that, okay, cards sell out faster because the company can't meet up with demand or what they, um, the demand they thought they were going to have is exceeded because people are just buying it, which then leads to, Oh, we can't produce enough, therefore there's none in the shops, so people that are selling the cards can inflate the price. So it just creates this inflation spiral of, because people are struggling, the cost goes up, so then Pokemon bring out more cards, which then get bought up, because new, new people are thinking, I need to get these before they go, which then it just it just keeps Sorry, pumping I, up the I price. Sorry, I said Jake Paul. I meant Logan Paul. The, the, the other brother. Um, the, the other one. The other one. I mean, the they're both to blame, really. But uh, it's it's. I think it's Logan Paul for buying a Pokemon card for five point two seven five million dollars. But cardboard, not even cardboard, not even cardboard, has made people go. Cardboard. Wait, these these cards are worth how much? Ah, well, this limited edition thing, I must have it now. Yeah, which is, which is like I. So I collected Pokemon cards when I, when I was a little boy. I've got the collection up there. For those of you on YouTube, you can probably see the gold cards of the Sword and Shield base set. Um, and I did a couple of the early generations, then stopped, mainly because you know, I started to grow out of Pokemon. And then during, I think it was just before COVID or during COVID, when I had low disposable income, I was like, I'm going to complete the Sword and Shield base set. And I didn't really have an issue getting most of the cards the the only cards that i struggled with are those golden ones because they are so rare so i had to buy them individually but they weren't that much money like i got some of them for as low as i think 15 pound they were like quite cheap but now when you look at those prices they are absolutely ridiculous and me as a collector there have been multiple sets where i've got one or two of the card packs and then just thought uh, it's it's not worth it because i know how much money i'm going to end up having to spend to complete a set and i really do feel like the only two complete sets i'm ever going to have are the original base set and the sword and shield base set and i'm okay with that like i saw the original the the original 151 um cards that are now available over here in the uk in my uh, game and I looked out and thought, okay, that's like, it's quite cheap. It was like 20 quid for, I think, five packs and a folder and some other stuff. But I knew that if I go down that rabbit hole, how much money am I going to sink into completing the set as much as I want to? And unfortunately for, for me, it's these actions of scalpers and speculators has priced me out of the market. It's a real shame that that's, that's happened because there is a unique joy you get out. It's it just all the right 
things hit you when you you know you get that Pokemon pack, you turn it over, you move the cards, and then you do them one at a time, and it hits into that nostalgia of doing it as a kid and that reward element that you get from it. It's almost like it tickles that gambling addiction. It part of it brain. is. It really does. It it really does. Um, and funnily enough, one one of the um, videos I think we we didn't we, we didn't cover it, but we were thinking we, about it. Yeah, it was this uh, a family in the filming the kid opening Pokemon cards on Christmas Day, I think, and it's all the family around, and like this boy pulls, I think it's the the Rainbow V Max Charizard. That's the one, and like everyone's freaking out. I think the mum just doesn't care. She's like, oh, okay, like this is a piece of card, and which is, I think, the majority of people are in that mindset. Of, it's a piece of paper. Like, why are, you, why are you freaking out? But this boy is, like, in hysterics, in tears, so excited, so happy. Like, there's a joy that comes from this. But there is that fine line, isn't there, between joy and... Okay, this is starting to get a little bit... I want to say serious. Uh, addi addictive is probably the word. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to skirt around that word, but... No, it's, like, that it's is, the that right is the word. word. Again, gambling mechanics are designed to psychologically get you basically mm -hmm. uh, we have worked these out over years and years and years and we know how to trick the brain into wanting to have another hit gambling is just as addictive as any other drug and i think realistically the way that pokemon card packs are designed is gambling that's as yeah. somebody who yeah, yeah, yeah. plays the game i think they they do have ways around it. I think the ability to buy singles is great, even though you can't buy singles directly from Pokemon. You have to buy them from the secondary market, and then there's a cost element in that, which just furthers the gambling addiction because now they're worth money. So you've got that. But, you know, um, for instance, they do uh, battle decks, which is a case of like, no, these are a deck that is specifically designed to, to be competitive, you can go out, you spend 30 quid, and you have a deck that's ready to play with. Cool. Great. Keep doing that. As long mm -hmm. as you do that, I'm not going to come down too hard on it. But I think as a collector, it's not It's not a great... Well, Pokemon know what they're doing, because back in the day, the, the original base set, it was... I can't remember how many cards are in that original base set, but it's it's like you know that there's 100-odd to, to get. It's dead simple. The new base set, the new sets are an absolute nightmare because it's like, oh, there's, there's 100 Pokemon cards. Okay, fantastic. But there's not actually 100 Pokemon cards because some of them have the shiny alternative version. So they're exactly the same set for one's got shiny, one hasn't. Right, okay. The energy cards. Yeah, well, that set actually has shiny energy cards. Right, okay, fantastic. Oh, you've completed your original 150? Okay, well, there's actually 30 cards after that 150 that are, you know, the gold and the rainbow, the full art cards. And it's just an absolute minefield. Like, so Pokemon aren't innocent in all this. Like, they they figured out, okay, actually, this set that you think is only 150, 100, whatever it might be, is usually like an extra 20, 30, 40% more cards on top of that. If you do want to do a complete set of, okay, I want the normal version and the alternative art. And some cards even have three versions where it's got the the hollow behind the character, like so. Pokemon are, you know, enabling this situation. Yeah, of course they are, because it, it's possible. Um, and yeah, what upsets exactly. me the most about it is the illustrator rares, which are the like full art cards that are completely redesigned. 
I think are some of the most beautiful artwork we've had of Pokemon Gorgeous. ever. Like the yeah. newer cards, they're going out of their way to make them so good. And I can't buy it as a bit of artwork. I've got to go buy boxes and boxes and boxes of cards, which you're getting. What annoys me as well is that you get like one rare. Yes. You get one reverse hollow and one rare. Granted, your reverse hollow can also be a rare, but then your rarity scale is massive. Mm-hmm. It goes from anything from like, oh, it's a fully evolved Pokemon that's actually not very good to full art, illustrator, rare, rainbow art, gold edition, whatever the case may be. So I just, it, it infuriates me. And yeah. I wish it wasn't the case, but if it wasn't that way, then the speculative market wouldn't exist. And if the speculative market wouldn't exist, then they wouldn't make as much money. And if they didn't make as much money, the game wouldn't be as proliferant as it is. That's not a word, is it? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. It is now, sure. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. So I understand why things are the way they are. Doesn't mean I have to like it. No. Completely agree with you there. And the. I had another point, and I can't remember what the the point was now. But it, it's one of the. It's just a shame because, like, the Pokemon cards, like that was one of my first memories of Pokemon. Like, I remember playing the games, but for me, I remember going to Toys R Us and like, Mom, can I have a pack? And having to pay, I think one fifty, two pound, two fifty, maybe. I can't remember. And getting that those those packs, it was absolutely amazing. It was beautiful. It was magical, and it was before. Yeah, it was before, like, a lot of those cards, the reason they're worth the value now is because no one cared about them outside of kids and a handful of adults that were just like, oh, this is fun, this is this is great. And that's kind of what I want it to be because, like, then it isn't ruined by these people that are just, oh, I'm, I'm buying these just to bump up the price and sell them on, especially when, like, say, the secondhand market, I went to shop with my daughter about a month or two ago. And they had the folder of all the rare cards that were selling. And then next to it, they had a box just full of cards. I was like, how much are them? He's like, no, we just give those away. Yeah. So literally, I just went, okay, well, how many can I have? (laughs) So I was like, I won't be greedy. Like, my daughter got three. I got three. So I managed to get some beautiful um, cards of Togepi and uh, Togetic, which look absolutely gorgeous. But it just goes to show that, like, like a lot of these cards, the value is actually worthless. Like there's no value to them because again, they are that's just because you mass get produced. However many uncommons within every pack. So if you're opening, and I think this is the other thing as well that really winds me up, right? So talking about gambling, I, again, I I used to work in an arcade. I had to understand mm. gambling law. I had to be be uh, qualified in it. Every gambling machine you ever come up to has to give you the odds. They have to legally tell you exactly how likely you are to win a jackpot or for this machine to pay out. We don't get that in Pokemon. They have mm-hmm. that information because it's on all the machines. When they're packing the cards, all the cards go into machines and they're like, oh yeah, uh, we should have one Charizard EX in here for every 500 cards. I think legally Pokemon should have to release that information. We now yeah. We do technically have it, in a roundabout way, there are companies that will go out of their way to be like, okay, we cracked however many boxes. Yeah. These are the rough odds given what we got. I don't think that's good enough. I think 
Pokemon and card games in general, if they're going to have this mechanic where, you know, things are randomized, they should have to release this information. It should be very similar, I think, to, you know, the UK, uh, like cigarette packets where they have that, you know, smoking kills thing on the front. Like on the um, Maybe on the back it is literally just a, here are the different rarities and this is the percentage chance of getting them. And funnily enough, that was that was the thought I was thinking of earlier because I used to be on the Pokemon TCG Reddit. Uh, well, uh, I, used to, I was subscribed to them and they used to do something similar whenever a new... Uh, set was released they had a poll and people could then submit okay i opened x map packs these are the cards i got and then after so long they you know the people that were modding that subreddit would then give you the rough odds and the odds were always terrible like the odds of getting these really rare ones were next to none but the problem with that subreddit and one of the reasons i don't follow it anymore and i'm sure it's the same for other social media channels is that the vast majority of people wouldn't post their card packs that they opened that they got nothing from. They would post, "I look at this amazing card that I pulled," and it leads you down an echo chamber of, "Oh wow, like everyone's getting really good odds at the moment. I'm gonna go out and buy a pack." And then you'd open it and go, "I got absolutely nothing." And it's the same with like people that um, bet on the football, for example, the accumulator. Back when I really used to be into football. And, you know, you go on Facebook and every Saturday people would be posting, oh, look at look at what I've won on my accumulator. But you never heard from the people that didn't. And it, it just reinforces that brain. Like, it tricks the, the part of your brain that goes, I've got really good odds here of, of winning because everyone else is winning. But you're just seeing the ones that did win. You're not seeing all the ones that didn't. And I'm sure if you, you know, it ties back into what you said, if you knew the odds, chances are you wouldn't pick up that pack if you were looking for those specific Pokemon. That's the idea of informed consent. And I think, yeah. especially when your market is children, that information needs to be a lot, a lot clearer. I'd, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll die on that hill as well. I think they should at least, at least show the odds. Agreed. Let's move on to Paldean Wins. So episode two of Paldean Wins has been released. Turns out I didn't see episode one either, so I've gone back and watched both of the first two episodes. Surprisingly long wait time between the episodes. Was that? I, obviously, I. What do you know what it is off the top of your head? Oh, uh, uh, at least a month, I think. Wow. Well, considering... So the guessing game we planned last week... Or the guessing game we played. It was based off that first one. It was based off the first one. So you can work out how long it's been since the last time we played the guessing game. Yes. Which is, again, I think about a month. It's Yeah, because funnily enough, when I was watching that episode, I was like, oh, me Escarada. Oh, it's a time. And then I clicked in. I was like, oh, this is where I kind of pulled those those, uh, Pokemon from. Yeah, it was a month ago. Wow. Um, I will briefly touch on episode one. Is that fresh in your mind? Have you watched it back or not? Not recently, no, but okay. I, I, I remember it vaguely enough. Okay. So I think we'll just briefly like touch on what it what it is. I'm not going to do a you know a scene by scene breakdown, but basically it follows Ohari, who is one of the students at the academy, and two others. So we've got Homer and their Quaxley, and um I've got it written down. I can't remember how you pronounced it. it, it Elicus, Elicilus, Elicus. I don't, I don't know, know what you're trying to say. The, the, the person with the the trainer with the masquerade. Elicus, 
Alakis, there we go. Yeah, Alakis, that's it. Um, and it follows them who have been asked to create a video project by the uh, by the Academy's director. And it follows O'Hara. It, it jumps forward and backwards in time, so it's not a, a you know chronological order, but O'Hara ends up on the top of the mountain, drops their flute, uh, Arvin rocks, rob, rocks up, uh, they get attacked by Satyrton. She plays the flute to... Uh, calm the Satyrton, which in impresses on Arvin. Um, and then once it's calmed down, Ohara gets back to the Academy and goes, oh, I get it now. I don't quite know what she got, though. I, I was a bit lost there. So she was... As, from what I got from the story, her dad was really pressuring her because I think her dad is the composer okay. of the school's correct. Uh, band. And she was being pressured into being the best, being first seat, as it were. And, um, you know, words are failing me today. What's it called when your orchestra, there you go, first seat oh, yeah. in the orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> so as is often the case with school children, she was feeling the pressure and decided she didn't want to do it anymore. But instead of just not doing it, she decides to go to the top of the mountain to throw her <laughs> flute off. Which you know, points for creativity point. on that one. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta give him, you gotta give him points for effort. Um, but yes, learns that the sound of her flute reminds the Titan of its children. Is that how that works? Um, I, I didn't make the link. Honestly, I was just like, oh, okay. Is it just a? Is she just good at the flute? Is is it a calming melody? I I didn't personally make the link between that and Satoddle. It, it's it's something to do with the way the winds blow through the mountains and Satyton. Ah. Uh, uh, that's what calms Satyton down. Fair enough. Really, really odd that that's what made you go. Actually, maybe the flute isn't a bad thing because it just saved my life. But it saved Arvin's life definitely. Arvin was about to get chomped up. I love that Arvin just shows up out of nowhere in this one as well. He's and what I liked about it is he's he's pre Scarlet and Violet Arvin. He's still a douche. Because he's he's <laughs> douche, he's grumpy. He walks past it and doesn't even say hello, just gives her the side eye, like, uh, gotta deal with you, and then wanders off. And then we see a little bit more of like true Arvin when, you know, um the Satyrton attacks and he like he's his walls break down, and he's just like panicking and trying to flee and everything. But I, I think that I'm pretty sure there was a line in there that said that they're making the video for the new starter mm. that's coming to the school, which I think is implied to be your character from Scarlet and Violet. Kind of, that's, yeah. Th that's what I that's what I took from this, and this, you know, you know what, like this, these two episodes actually like made me realize that I would have liked more the school aspect in the mainline game mm -hmm. because. I don't see the points in having the schoolers be like the thing that ties it all together because outside of doing the lessons and the starting hub, you don't really do anything with the school. Like there's a handful of students you interact with and a couple of the stories tie back into it. But like, I actually really enjoyed that this was, now it's just three students that are at the school. I love that like conversation between them and seeing them have the, you know, the chemistry with one another and, um, you know, being in the school, I really did enjoy that, and, I, and I'm gutted now looking back that we didn't get more of that in the the you know base game of Scarlet and Violet. Yeah, 
It's oh, wait. <laughs> well, you say the base game. We 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 should have got it really in uh, the DLC as well when we had <laughs> the perfect opportunity to make friends with three randos, and we just don't. We just don't because yeah, yeah. It's such a such a shame. Couple of the other highlights from from this episode that I feel are you know we get to see Gimme Ghoul at the front who looks like it just has the worst life ever because it's just wandering through Mesagoza trying to find a coin while it's trying not to get stepped on. Hmm. Um, and then we get Tinker Tom, which chases down a Corviknight, which is beautiful. Like The animation is gorgeous because the Corviknight flies in. You see Tinker Tom, its eyes glow in that typical anime fashion. And it's like starts trying to hunt down this Corviknight, swinging its hammer around. It's absolutely beautiful. And I love it. Um, but there were parts where... Like Mesagoza is as empty in the in this animation as it is in the actual game. Like literally the stairs, there's nobody on the stairs. It's like, okay, right, fair enough. Um, which I think is a quite a good point because it brings me into episode two, where the very start of the YouTube video has the following message. These images, video, some characters, and other elements are not in-game. They are inspired by the game's graphics, characters, and environments, but do not reproduce them, which is the weirdest thing I have ever seen on a video that has a link to a video game franchise like i to the point where like i just don't understand why they put it in because it's almost like yeah that's obvious like I, yeah like why are you saying that and the only thing i, I didn't think even of, see that when i watched did it. you know well this is the same video that on the youtube channel is called breathe in but yeah. the video i watched was hashtag ad uk <laughs> colon breathe in like come on like these little things like what you what you doing um but the episode so this episode focused more on um um it, what's the name of the person i've forgotten Alica? Alica, Alica, Alicus? Alicus. 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 who um, i who, assume has a brother in blueberry academy yeah so my first thought on that because you don't see their face and i and you see the purple hair and i don't and i i know this isn't the answer this isn't me like oh this is the theory like this is just me being stupid my first thought was oh it's leon but then <laughs> I was like, no, why? why well done no there are more people with purple hair it's not leon i know it's not leon okay but i did like even google and like because in my head i remember leon having gold at the end of his hair but he, he hasn't i just made that up um so this isn't leon but you never see his face which is I think another reason why I went down that rabbit hole of, oh, there's a reveal here. Uh, I don't think there is a reveal. I think, like I say, they're just an academy. So they're, they're a student at another academy somewhere. Um, but what we get in this story is Nimona makes an appearance and um, the, the, the character has lost to Nimona because, of course, Nimona always wins. And they lash out hurting Meowskarada's feelings. And you can... Yeah, you get the hint here that this trainer is probably the second best in this school, or they're up, they're up there. They're in the top tier. Um, like they, they talk about, well, everyone else has still got their first form evolution starters, but Alicus has actually got a Meowskarada already because they're determined to win. And this is another one of those episodes where like, it's nice to see what you don't get in the games for the most part is trainers different feelings towards battling so elicus's brother literally says at the start of the episode if you pokemon lost i wouldn't use it in a fight again yeah then, weird like, Paul. Whoa. like 
Wow. Okay. And we, we've seen that kind of attitude before in, in Silver in Gen 2 that I really don't care about my Pokemon. But then they come around on it, hence why at the end of the game they're able to get, you know, friendship um, evolutions. Um, but I did like the fact that it gave Alakus the opportunity to, you know, they lash out, but then they turn around and go, actually, you know what? I'm wrong. And Meowskarada turns up for the final fight against um, Nimone. And we get to see terrestrialization for the first time in the anime at least for me it might have already happened in the in the new anime but i've not seen that and it looked like the animation on this is absolutely gorgeous like terrestrialization because that's not something that must be easy to animate with all the different like reflections and colors going on that that must be it must be so intensive to create that and they could have shied away from it and yet you get this and it looks absolutely Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Um, and we get a couple of other things. We we don't get we don't get confirmation on who wins, but it's Nimona, obviously, because Nimona, you know, in canon has not lost. Like she's just flat out wipes the floor of everyone. And, and we this also is get, definitely this is definitely pre Scarlet and Violet because she's using her team that we see her use in the opening scene because she's got her Taurus. Yep. yep. Which yep. I will say as well, I the terrestrialization of fighting type has more of a fist in this whereas i was assumed it, it was more of a boxing gloves whereas you actually get to see the yeah. fingers in this you which was you odd do, don't you yeah the quality is a little bit better and i think what one of the things that i liked about this is that because they can do in this what they can't do in the game because the game unfortunately because there are so many different types of hats and so many types of pokemon like they don't always look great because it's kind of like oh where where do we put it Whereas that's not a limitation in animation because you can just go, oh, well, let's just blend it in. So it works really well on both those Pokemon. And I th I think, like, the the fist, I I think it's smaller in this than the actual mm -hmm. game, but I might be wrong. But it does look a, a lot better. And the only other highlight from this is, like, um, Meowskarada basically survives on one HP and the Mona actually says word for word, like whatever the friendship mechanic, like you, oh, Meowskarada toughed it out so you wouldn't feel sad. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, right. So that's okay. Word for word, for word as, as, as well, which I did enjoy that. It wasn't something that needed to be there, but it was nice. It's, it's, a, it's a nice pull. It's not one I appreciate, but it's a nice pull. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it makes, it makes more sense in the anime than it does in the games. Agreed. Yes, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, it's quite... Because, like, like you know, toughing something out and surviving when you've got barely any HP, it's something that has been going on through anime, TV, and other media for so long now where it's like, now nah, they, they should be down and out, but, the, you, know, you know, friendship and all that stuff keeps them fighting. I hate the implication that it's like, oh, it didn't want you to be sad. No, it wanted to keep fighting. It's got yes. nothing to do with me. Our bond is great. But it wants to fight. It wants to mm. win this because it's it's not about me being sad. It's got to be it wants to do it as well. Otherwise, I'm really not a nice person. <laughs> if I'm emotionally yeah. torturing my Pokemon as well as physically. <laughs> hey, no, let's, let's, let's not go down that route. <laughs> I don't, don't want to fight. Yeah, but I'm sad. Uh, okay. Oh, well, I guess I'll keep going then. Oh, okay. Okay. I guess um, I'll take more hits. <laughs> Overall... Have you enjoyed these two episodes? 
stunning animation. I don't think it's currently on the level of History in the Snow, story-wise. Okay, right. I don't think it's provided as much for me. Um, I think there was a lot more heartfelt uh, of a story. Uh, even, you know, I think, what was it? Not Galarian Wings. Um, what was what was what was the Galar one? Wings something. Anyway, doesn't matter. The the Galar spinoff that they did, I think, was better. Okay. I'm I'm just not as invested in these characters. Okay. I think they've made a strange choice in picking three brand new characters and only giving us one episode to flesh them out. And for that, it's lacking for me. I think it looks gorgeous. I think Paldea has never been more realized. But again, it's... As, as a representation of the game, I don't think it's great. I don't think it explores Agreed. enough of the characters that we already have in the game. Obviously, in the first one, we got Arvin. In this one, we got um, Nimona. Nimona. I assume that the next one's going to have Penny in it. I have to assume that's the case. But I don't think they're even fleshed out much so agreed it, it, it does it doesn't do a lot for me mm, i can understand that i think I, I i enjoyed them i would be very keen to watch the rest of the episodes um is he is it something that you know is essential viewing no it's 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 not it's a, just a nice little bit of a here's a little side story that ties in with the the mainline games i think it it does gets a little bit closer to having the school as almost a main character because like it's kind of like when you think about Harry Potter the castle is a main character because of just the whim the whimsy behind it and the fact that it has a life of its own, life of its own and it's like in every book and like the school should be not that well realized but it should feel like oh the school has got a character of its own and i think this helps to take some of the right steps get us there but i'd like to see more of that student atmosphere moving forward but i can admit that i think i would have preferred each of the episodes to focus on people that we already know like even we could have fleshed out the teachers oh that's a great idea actually yeah you know I we, really, we yeah. could we could have seen um, a student take his particular class and a teacher reach out to them and you know have that proper student-teacher uh, relationship where it's like, oh, I'm struggling. Mm. Here, I'll give you a little bit of one-to-one -one tutoring and teach you something about life as well as about my subject. I think there's a lot they could have done with this. As I say, this isn't bad. For what it is, it's it's fine. It's It's enjoyable enough to watch. I just don't think it hits the right spot for me that i want from these spin-off series i get that i i, I understand that it's a, one of the things for me because obviously we used to um talk about the um what was it pokemon journey uh series on the podcast and we used to break down episodes this scratched that itch because i haven't watched any of the any of the new pokemon anime it's been a while so it's, it really did scratch that itch of oh, okay i can just sit back i can relax i can enjoy these characters and the motivations and the simple simplicity of it all um we're totally missing make... out by the way they're they're oh, doing oh. some crazy stuff in uh the anime 
where okay. they're now introducing like a new side region, which is like a mythical location that's paradise. And there, there was an ancient adventurer who was like the greatest trainer of all time who found it, and they're hunting it down. Isn't isn't that all in the game though? No, not yet. Not yet. Anyway, <laughs> not ever. Not ever. On it, like I, it's it, again one of the things I love about the anime is they can go. Let's flesh this out. Let's just let's just do what the games unfortunately don't do. Um, and we've already I, had Terrapagos introduced to us in the anime. There we go. I'm. I do want to watch it, but I think I. I think I want to get dubbed. I think so. Yeah, I think I want it to be dubbed, but then enough of the episodes out where I can have it on like a consistent weekly watch, um, rather than okay, I've got to try and find the episode. I've got to find a version that's subbed, and you know the websites that you have to go to to do that aren't always the most reliable. There's a lot of buffering and and whatnot. So I think I'd rather wait and then enjoy it without any of those issues because like uh, i like when we used to watch journeys when it was when we were watching the episodes on netflix it was smooth it was easy and then when we had to watch the last couple of episodes on a website and it constantly kept buffering like leon you know the ash and leon fight there's a few times where like you know at the very end where the music kicks in and pikachu's going for it and then oh, it's buffering i'm like oh come on like well, that's, just that's also you- just because your internet sucks <laughs> i did have rubbish it internet did back it then. did we fixed it now. <laughs> it did it did we fixed it um but i'd like i i want to really get engrossed in these these episodes because like other than I, i've seen a handful of reviews handful of um screen grabs and then obviously what you've told me about the new series and it feels like it's going to tick a lot of the boxes that i want to tick um so i want to go in that and, and really enjoy that at, at some point um, should we move on to the guessing game? I guess so. Perfect. Uh, in front of me, I have three Pokemon, each with three Pokedex entries. But one of them is a fake entry. And Kinkane, after so long of not doing these, start this new round on a high after last episode where I think I got zero, right? You got zero. I got zero. Okay, right. So no pressure. Um... This week, we're going to start with Garganical. So, entry number one. Garganical will rub its fingertips together and sprinkle injured Pokemon with salt. Even severe wounds will promptly heal afterward. Number two. Many Pokemon gather around Garganical, hoping to lick at its mineral-rich salt. And the final entry. This Pokemon compresses rock salt inside its body and shoots out hardened salt pallets. These have enough force to perforate an iron sheet. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't like the first one. I don't like Solbay um, <laughs> Garganical. <laughs> um, I just don't see it using it for healing. That that feels odd. Putting salt on a wound is just like the worst thing you can do. So I'm going to say it's the first one, knowing full well that you're going to tell me it's the second one. Okay, you're half right. It's it's the first one's a true one. The third one was the fake one oh, okay. however i've taken a the entry is it's, it's an adaptation of its previously evolved form and i've, ah, I've tweaked okay. it ever so slightly um so so the third one is not a real pokedex entry for organical interesting okay I didn't see that one at all fair enough okay entry or oh, pokemon number two entry number one uh, is poor mott I was about to start reading it then. I realized you wouldn't have a clue what I'm on about. So, entry number one for Pormat. 
It charges electricity as it moves. To prevent itself from accidentally unleashing energy when running, it must cover its paw pads with its paws. Number two. Sorry. This Pokemon. Sorry. It covers its paw pads with its paws. It must cover its paw pads with its paws. What does that mean? <laughs> Entry number two. <laughs> I, I didn't know until I saw an image of it and I was like, that explains it. So entry number two. This Pokemon normally is slow to react, but once it enters battle, it will strike down its enemies with lightning fast movements. And entry number three. Hormot's fluffy fur acts as a battery. It can store the same amount of electricity as an electric car. Third one. First one, I'm afraid. It's the first. It was the first one. It what was you, the first right, one. What did you mean? The so, look up, look up, look up the Pokedex. Look up, up an image. It's got an Iron Man hole in its hands that it can zap. So it basically zaps out of electricity out of its uh, out of its hands. Right. Yeah. So what I was going with that is, oh, because it's charging up electricity, it doesn't accidentally want to discharge it. It has to cover those paw pads with its paws when running, so it's almost like its knuckles as it's running. Right. Yeah. I don't know why I let you get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. When you called me out and I was like, oh, I've, I've, I shouldn't have put paw pads and paws in the same thingy. Um, so why did, you, why did you go for the third one? Uh, fluffy fur. I just didn't, I didn't feel like fluffy fur was a... It was too alliterative and it didn't feel right. And I don't know, as soon as you said, I didn't get it either until I looked up the image. I was like, all right, so he's had to do research to figure this one out. All right, fine. Okay. Enough. I'll let it okay, go. Okay, right. But yeah, no. It, oh. it, it, I can't believe I'll let you get away with that, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so the final Pokemon is Tauros, but it's the Paldean Aqua Breed. So, entry number one. This Pokemon blasts water from holes on the tips of its horns. The high-pressure jet pierces right through Tauros's enemies. Entry number two. It, uh, sorry, no, that's entry number three. Entry number two. When it targets an enemy, it releases pressurized water from its horns, enabling, enabling it to quickly close the distance on its prey. And the final entry, it swims by jetting water from its horns. The most notable characteristic of the Aqua breed is, is its high body fat, which allows it to float easily. Hmm. Ooh. So stuck between the first and the second one. I don't know. See, I'm stuck on the second one because I know I like to use prey <laughs> when I write Pokemon right. entries. Yeah. Because that's yeah. how you think about animals. It's like, yeah, of course it evolved it for prey. Um mm -hmm. so I'm gonna go with the second one just because it mentions prey. Congratulations. Okay. That one is in fact the fake. Pokedex entry, but it's actually really weird that you mentioned that because um, Garganical, its pre-evolved form, actually has Pokedex entries that mentions prey. Occasionally well. they do, but it is very... It's it's rarer than you'd think it would be. Yeah, considering this, these Pokemon are part of a food chain, mm. it's only every now and again you come across a entry where it, it references oh yeah, there's, this Pokemon is part of the food chain and therefore prey predator and, and, and all that stuff well, so got... uh, an abysmal one of three uh, yeah but you can only get better from here at least it wasn't zero actually no you uh, no can't i can't i can't, can't, can't get worse you can get worse 
Connor, what have you got coming up at the moment? Um, I don't think it's going to be out soon. We're working on it at the moment, but it is a video debunking the old theory of the Kanto War. Oh, well and truly, okay. like wow, putting putting a stamp on it, saying no, it's not right. There was never ever a war in Kanto, and I can prove it. Wow. Okay. So what I love about that is like literally, it's Lieutenant Surge that says, "I fought in the war," you know, and he did, and he did He'd... fight in a war, in a war. Yes, that's but it was because... never anything to do with Kanto. Right. Okay. Because in my head, I'm like, oh, he's in Kanto. He references a war, therefore you put two and two together. But as we know, that doesn't always equal the right number. So yeah, I'm, it, I'm it's it's based this. off of similar to the last video. It's looking at Japanese culture and why things that were put into the game were so obvious to those in Japan. We have misinterpreted them. Fantastic. Okay, looking forward to that when it comes out. Uh, what am I working on? I'm I'm currently just doing my series with British, where we're doing Pokemon Infinite Fusion. If you haven't already, please do check it out. It is just if you see the thumbnails, they're, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> they are fantastic. I saw the lot funny slacking one. Slacking was one. Like, oh my it's god, no! It's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, so um, the the game really does provide some absolutely hilarious moments where they your opponent throws out a fusion and you just take a moment to go, I wow, what it what is this monstrosity that I am facing? Now? And that's the show for this week. If you got on this far, you're just a top dollar aren't you? As always, you know, links down below to watch our YouTube channels to submit a question and of course, as always, before you go, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice or if you're watching on YouTube, leave a like as it really helps out and leave us a question please. Connor, where can we find you? You can find me on my YouTube channel at Captain Fidget or on Twitter at CapFidget Ben, you can find me as Professor Hoenn Gaming on YouTube and Professor Hoenn on Twitter. As for the Golden Rod no, yeah, yeah so, Yep, nope, yep. Uh, you can find it. Yeah, whatever. We'll be back next Friday for another week of Pokemon Podcast content. See ya!